0: hey guys i'm monica crowley and this is the monica crowley podcast thank you so much for being with me here on this wednesday we are midweek so far so good this is your go-to for hot liberty a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Check me out on social media. My Instagram is at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and Truth Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. Let me know what's on your mind. The email address is Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. I'm getting a lot of your emails. I read them all. I see them all. So keep them coming. And today, like most days, we will read some of your emails on the air. So if you want to hear me read yours, you got to send me one, not a mind reader. Shoot me an email, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Well, today I want to spend a good deal of time talking about the most underreported political story maybe of our lifetimes. Maybe ever. And there's an obvious reason why the propaganda press is burying it. So we are going to break it apart. We're going to get into a lot of detail about this underreported story. Um, And we got more evidence of it yesterday. So we're going to use that as a launching pad to really get into what is going on, which the press and the Democrats really don't want you to know. And they're absolutely panicked about it. Okay, so we're going to deal with all of that and do a deep dive. And uh, also, as I mentioned, your emails. But first, the Monica memo. I want to begin with the most underreported story uh, probably ever in American politics, or at least right up there. And that is the hemorrhaging away of Latino voters from the Democratic Party toward the Republican Party. It's not just that the Republicans are picking up Latino voters in droves. It's the fact that Democrats have so alienated them that they are desperate to find a new political home and they are coming to the Republican Party. So it is, in some ways, it's not so much that the Republicans are Although they are offering Latinos a warmer embrace than the Democrats, it's more about the Democrats becoming so woke and so radical and so Marxist and so Maoist that Latino voters are saying, enough. We thought this might just be a temporary thing. We thought maybe it was just a phase like a teenager goes through. But no, it's not. This is who they are. And Latino voters by the millions are saying, basta, enough. So we got more evidence of this last night. There were um, special elections happening all across the country, primary elections and so on. But the most stunning headline that we have gotten is that this Texas district, this is Cameron County in Texas, which is 85% Latino, 85%. Myra Flores, the Republican running in that race, won. She is Mexican-born. She is married to a border agent. She ran on the rule of law, especially with regard to the border. And she also ran on the Biden economy and how it's making life totally unaffordable. And she ran on family values. And as a result of those platforms, she won. What makes this even more astonishing is the history and the makeup of this particular district. Again, it's 85% Hispanic. Mrs. Clinton won this district by 33 points in 2016. 33 points. It's landslide territory. Biden won it by 13. Not quite as much, but still landslide territory. So this Hispanic shift to the uh, GOP, is a remarkable story, which of course, the press is trying to bury, right? Here's more stats on this. This is Texas, this is Texas 34. This is a district that has not elected a Republican in over 100 years, but just did. This district swung from Democrats plus 14 points in 2020 to Republicans plus seven this year. This is a 21-point swing from being heavily Democrat to definitely Republican by plus seven in a very short amount of time, less than two years, guys. This indicates that November, it, it might be, I don't want to jinx us and again, they could pull all kinds of shenanigans all the way up to suspending the midterm elections if they dare. But if this goes ahead as planned and these elections are clean, again, another big assumption, November could be the biggest red wave maybe in American history. I mean, you, you look at these past races and it is just, the swing so fast is incredible. So, you know, uh, AOC and her crowd, my advice to them is keep calling Latinos Latinx because it really seems to be working. Keep going down that road. Joe Biden's approval numbers with Hispanics is at a record low. It's about 24% and falling. So he and his catastrophic policies are a huge anchor around the Democratic Party. Latinos are fleeing, as are black voters, Asian American voters, women, young voters. They're all leaving the Democratic Party in droves. It turns out everyone just wants cheap groceries and gas, safe streets and school's not trying to turn your kid into the opposite gender. Even Elon Musk, who moved himself and his companies to Texas, remember, he fled California because it is so insane, not just on the taxes, but on crime and homelessness and the whole, all of the woke garbage. Musk pulled up stakes and he moved to Texas. And he now lives in this district won by Myra Flores. And he tweeted, quote, I voted for Myra Flores. First time I ever voted Republican. Massive red wave in 2022. How many other lifelong Democrats are saying, you know what? Screw it. I'm voting Republican. Millions. 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 Musk definitely isn't alone, not by a long shot, okay? He's just indicative. And yes, he's the richest person in the world, but he is indicative of the mindset of so many Americans, primarily Latinos, but all of the Democrats' core constituencies now are hemorrhaging away. They're running away like with hair on fire from the Democratic Party. Because the Democratic Party is no longer the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is now a communist Maoist party. That's it. So what's really going on here? Why are we seeing this historic political realignment of Latinos away from Democrats and toward the Republicans? There is a lot to be said for the economics, obviously, but there's more here. And that's why I want to take this apart. Gloria Romero wrote a fantastic piece in the California Globe back in early April, and I want to read you how she begins this piece because it's a really important paragraph. She writes this, and and the title of the piece, if you want to check it out online, is Latinos are soundly rejecting the Democratic Party, April 6th of this year. She writes, in unprecedented numbers, Latinos across the country are rejecting the Democratic Party for going so woke that even our mamas must be now labeled birthing people and our mujeres, comadres, abuelas, hermanas can no longer be called women or even be defined unless it is biologist approved. Our language has been appropriated and neutered to the point that the most woke in the party no longer even calls us by our names, inventing a new name with an X at the end that fits their conception, pardon the pun, of a reinvented people. In 2020, Pew Research revealed that only 3% of Latinos used the term Latinx and only 14% of Latinos with a high school degree or less had even heard of it. So, good going, AOC. She writes, totally loco. Gloria Romero in this piece totally hits the nail on the head, okay? Most Latinos are hardworking, decent people who are also religious or at the very least culturally conservative. Many of them come from communist or socialist states. And all of this militant Marxism and its sister, wokeism, is considered absurd and dangerous by Latinos who are fleeing the crazies in the Democratic Party like they fled Cuba or Venezuela. They came here to avoid all of that. They do not want this crap foisted on them. This big Latino trend started to show itself in the 2016 election when you saw Big numbers of Latinos blow off the Democrats and vote for Donald J. Trump. Listen to this. This is the breakdown. Latinos voted 71% for Obama in 2012, 71% for Obama in 2012. That then dropped to 66% for Mrs. Clinton. In 2016. And then by the last presidential election in 2020, the uh, percentage of Latinos voting for the Democratic candidate dropped to 59%. So in just eight years, the percentages of Latinos voting for Democrats dropped from 71% to 59%. And it's fading fast. Democrats are really losing the grip on Latino voters, which, by the way, is the fastest-growing segment of our entire electorate. And it's happening across the board of Latinos. It's not just Cubanos. It's Mexicans. It's Puerto Ricans. It's across the board. Democrats have always taken Latinos for granted, just like they've taken blacks and women for granted, young people. And now they're all starting to wake up and saying, wait a minute, (laughs) this Democrat party, number one, is crazy, communist, socialist, so, and Maoist. So uh, we're going to have to take a second look. Secondly, they've been taking us for granted for decades. What are we doing? Remember when Trump said, what the hell do you have to lose to black voters? Exactly. What do you have to lose? Give the GOP a shot. The Democrats as usual, never believe that they've got a policy problem or even a political problem. They think that they've got a communications problem. Joe Biden has been talking about this now for a couple of days. Oh, I think we've got, we've got a comms problem. We're, we're just not getting our message out. They never want to believe that they're straight up wrong and they're pissing off a lot of people. So they always throw their comms teams under the bus like, well, we just don't have a message. I have news for them having been in communications, okay, the problem is not a different message or different public relations. The problem is the party itself and what it now has come to represent and all of the damage that it is now inflicting on not just Latinos, but everybody else, all right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, I've got more on this. This is something that I've wanted to do for a while, this deep dive into it, this incredible political realignment that is happening right now. I've got more on this. We had big evidence last night in this Texas race, and it gave me an opportunity to really get into it. So we got more on this. So sit tight, Monica Crowley. We'll be right back. Okay, everybody, listen up. All right. Welcome back. And uh, in a little bit here, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about Biden and the economy, because yesterday he was screaming again, screaming at us, you know, rule number one for any president and frankly, any politician is you don't scream at voters. And you, you don't get angry. I mean, there's room for some self-righteous anger once in a while from a politician. That's fine. But Biden, Biden's anger is like that senile anger, elder rage. There is such a phenomenon as elder rage. Biden shows that once in a while. He thinks he's showing flashes of self-righteous anger. It's not really, and it doesn't really translate. So anyway, we're going to get into that and talk about his comments about the U.S. economy here coming up. But first, I want to get back into uh, Latinos and this incredible, astonishing, but I guess uh, when you consider it, not really surprising move um, by Latino voters toward the Democratic Party in droves, really creating a stunning political realignment that, of course, the press is burying because they don't want you to know about it. And it doesn't just have to do with immigration, although that is a major, major issue for a lot of Latino voters because they came here legally, they did it the right way, they went through the process, and they're seeing illegals crossing the border, coming into the country like crazy, totally disrespecting the country that these legal Latinos who are here or born here, that they're, they're appalled by this l- rule-breaking. They absolutely love America. And they cannot stand it when people disrespect the country by breaking the law to get in and to basically use the country for economic opportunity. They can't stand that. There's another important point um, about this, which is, and this this also gets into what Biden and the Democrats are doing in terms of the economy and other things too, which we're going to get to um, in the next segment. But this idea that America is an idea, right? I mean, it's obviously a geographical place and it it represents a lot of different things. But America is first and foremost an idea. And that idea based on human freedom is also grounded in aspiration. Because if you have human freedom, then you can believe that you can achieve anything, This is why America has always been the land of opportunity until just recently, (laughs) the land of opportunity and the land of plenty. Because when you pair human freedom with economic freedom as well, free market capitalism, you get the land of opportunity and you get plenty, you get abundance. So this is what we've always been. And the beacon of the idea to the rest of the world has been aspirational. America has always rewarded those who have taken great risks. Now, sometimes people have failed, but that's capitalism. That's the free market. It's creative destruction. But when you take big risks, you also have the possibility of great reward. And people throughout the ages have looked at America as a beacon of that, that they wanted to roll the dice. They wanted to play their hand. They wanted to live the American dream because it is aspirational. And in this country, we have always aspired to be the rich, not to condemn them, not to smear them, not to punish them. We have always wanted to be them, aspirational. But all of this class warfare coming from the other side um, has turned that on its head, demonizing the rich, punishing the rich. Everything coming from the Democrats is punitive on the rich. And you know what? Latino voters look at that and go, huh? We are aspirational, which is why we're in America in the first place. So when Latino voters... And others, but we're talking about the the big transition of Latinos, the big movement of them to the Republican Party away from the Democrats, which is an earthquake. It is in large part, yes, it's all the stuff that we've already talked about—the economy, crime, uh, the wide open southern border. But the bigger point here is that America has always been aspirational, and the Latino voters are seeing the Democrats killing that American dream which so many Latinos came here for in the first place. And then we, when you tease that down, the, the big theme about aspirational, about the aspirational society, when you tease that down to actually the nuts and bolts of living in America today, what do you see? Well, you see that Latino uh, voters can't go into a grocery store without dropping a hundred bucks on basic necessities, they can't go to the gas station without dropping another 100 bucks to fill up their car. They're trying to show up at school board meetings to defend their children from sex being taught and the other kind of CRT and indoctrination rather than reading, writing, arithmetic in order to succeed in America. And and they look at the Democrats' response and the Democrats' response to all of this from inflation to CRT is it's temporary or it's Putin's fault, or it doesn't exist, you're seeing things, or just go buy a Tesla, or you're the brown face of white supremacy, or you're right-wing, God forbid. So Latinos hear all of this, and they know it's nonsense. They know it's lies. They know it's BS. So yes, it is the economy driving Latinos, but it's also about this much bigger theme of America being an aspirational society and the Democrat communists trying to kill that. And they reject that out of hand. It's also about education, which I don't think gets enough coverage in all of this discussion about Latinos uh, and others, Uh, black voters, younger voters, and so on, moving away from the Democratic Party. Education is a key, key part of this. Latinos know that Democrat-run schools totally controlled by the unions are failing their kids. I mean, in states like California, deep blue states, these schools are, I mean, just a catastrophe for these kids. When you look at standardized test scores and meeting just basic standards of proficiency in math and reading... That These schools are failing these kids across the board, but Latino parents who care about education are not putting up with this. They see this kind of chronic underperformance of schools serving their kids and how Democrats are constantly crushing support for school choice. Even charter schools, which Latino parents strongly support, are not supported by Democrats because the teachers' unions don't support them and the Democrats are totally in bed with the unions. So Latinos are looking at this and they see education as a key part of the American dream and they're like, wait a minute, Democrats are crushing our economic situation. We're no longer economically secure. we They're crushing the American dream, so they're crushing our aspirations to actually achieve and prosper in America, they're killing education, which is the key to all of this for ourselves, but also for our kids and our grandkids. Latinos hustle, they work hard, and they believe that they can do it. Si se puede, or as Jill Biden would say, se puede. (laughs) Okay, Latinos want to achieve the American dream, of course, that's why they're here and they want to make sure that it's available for their kids. And the socialism and the communism of the Democrats of today being roundly rejected by the Latino voters because it's the antithesis of what they believe. I mentioned that fantastic piece by Gloria Romero in the California Globe, and I quoted from it at the beginning, and I want to read another part of what she points out in this piece. She says, quote, Latinos are a patriotic community. This is another key point, you guys. If you look at the names of the dead after any war, you will note the high numbers of Latinos who served and gave blood for this country. Critical. She goes on, we support policing, Even while we fight to reform abuses and ensure that we are respected by the officers, increasing numbers of whom are Latinos and Latinas in those ranks. She goes on. Democratic Party-led efforts to defund the police fell flat in our neighborhoods. We often disproportionately are the victims of crime. And unlike some members of Congress, we can't afford to hire private security teams to protect us. Woo. She goes on to say, today's Democratic Party is on a losing streak on all of these issues. You know, I think that Democrats thought and probably hoped that the flood of Latino voters away from Democrats toward Republicans was like specific to Trump, you know, that Trump was so unique and different that that movement was unique to him and, and his era But it's not a giant mystery, guys, as to why that happened. Donald Trump delivered a booming economy and world peace. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that Latinos would look at that and their own improved economic situation and say, hey, this guy not so bad, Republicans not so bad, I'm going to continue to check them out. But Democrats thought, okay, it was just unique to Trump. Not so. In fact, when you look at what happened yesterday in Texas 34, but when you look at other areas of the country where um, you're seeing these kinds of electoral wins by Republican Latinos And by Latino voters going the other way, you can see that the trend is not stopping now that Trump is gone, at least temporarily, Um, but you're seeing that it is accelerating. It's going in the other direction. There was a recent Wall Street Journal poll that found that by nine points, Latino voters said that they would back a Republican candidate for Congress over a Democrat, something again that we've already seen. Um, And we've seen it not just in, in Texas, but South Florida, New Mexico, and also in places like California. Very interesting. Overall, Latino voters are more likely to say that the country is moving in the wrong direction by a margin of five percentage points and that might even be higher because this was April, also by a margin of five percentage points, again, could be higher now, a majority agreed that, quote, the Democratic Party has been kidnapped by progressives. So you see what I'm saying? They are... They want economic opportunity, they want uh, the border under control, and they want America to be aspirational as it once was, because they want the land of opportunity for themselves and future generations. That's why they're here. They're also culturally conservative, far more religious than the average Democratic voter. They are, I'm telling you, they are changing the face of American politics, It is really a stunning thing to see. And you know what's also amazing? (laughs) This is one of the great ironies here. One of the great ironies is that the Democrats are keeping a wide open border because they believe that they're going to flood the zone with future Democratic voters. Well, wouldn't it be something if they all end up voting Republican? That would be a thing of beauty. You will see the Democrats shut down the border so fast it will make your head spin, (laughs) okay? So we can only hope that that is going to be the case. But the Democrats who were once the party of the working class, they are now firmly a party of Marxist revolutionaries, a party of the coastal elites who do not care at all about their now former voters, They only care about this Marxist Maoist revolution. That's it. Speaking of which, the economy. When we come back, we're going to talk about Joe Biden's lies uh, yesterday on the economy and where we go from here. We got more coming straight up. Sit tight. Okay, welcome back. We've got your emails coming up here shortly. But in the meantime, I want to talk about uh, Joe Biden and I want to talk about his lies yesterday about the economy. So this administration has deliberately torpedoed the economy. This is a deliberate takedown of the U.S. economy. I've said this many times. I've been saying it on Fox and elsewhere. And now I start to see other people Um, being willing to use the words intentional and deliberate when they're talking about the takedown of the U.S. economy. Obviously, uh, if they wanted to change course, they could change course tomorrow, but they won't because they don't want to. This is a, a deconstruction of the free market system. It's an initiation of ever greater... Uh, Marxism, socialism, communism, whatever you want to call it. This is the American version of the Great Reset. So obviously, they're not going to change course, even though it's destroying the U.S. economy, which is the point, uh, which is also affecting them politically in terms of their poll numbers. uh, They don't really care because for them, they keep the eye on the prize. It's the much bigger goal of destroying the U.S. economy and replacing it with a more collectivist kind of model. So the Democrats have continually gone out talking about how great the economy is, (laughs) which is absurd and nonsensical, but it doesn't matter because as I've always said to you, and this holds true, uh, you can literally get away with anything when you've got the protection of the press. They've got the protection of the press, they get away with their blatant lies. And as I said last night on Sean Hannity's show on Fox There's spin, which every president does, and then there is blatant lying that flies in the face of everybody's lived experience. So these lies about the economy that just keep coming fast and furious from Biden and his team are just immediately dismissed by the American people. You don't have a single person out there actually believing what Biden is saying. Nobody is buying what they're selling here because it, it flies in the face of their everyday experience at the grocery store, at the gas station, going to a restaurant, you name it. People can't find baby formula for their kids. I mean, it, it's it, as I said last night, you know the old saying, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining? Well, the American people now are, are saying to the Democrats, do not pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. I know you're peeing on my leg. So let's take a listen to the latest set of lies from Joe Biden. Roll it. Ladies and gentlemen, this year, by the end of the fiscal year, we will have cut the federal deficit by another $1.6 trillion in one year. One year. So when they come to you and talk about big spenders, let them know. Almost $2 trillion in deficit reduction. I don't want to hear any more of these lies. About reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. The amount of lies in that just brief clip is beyond belief when he's talking about deficit reduction and spending levels and so on. I mean, last year the federal government spent nearly $7 trillion that we don't have and can't afford. And then everybody on the Democratic side is walking around going, gosh, golly, inflation's bad. I wonder what happened. They flooded the system with money. And then they're, they're uh, wondering why and, and trying to cover up for the fact that this is all part of the fundamental transformation of the nation. And they weren't not going to spend that money. They got one clear shot when Biden was in and Democratic control of Congress, they were going to use it. So of course they were going to spend this money. And now they're peeing on your leg and telling you that it's raining. It's all just complete absurd nonsense. So at the end there, you heard him saying, with that righteous anger, which is all fake, you heard him saying, we're changing people's lives. Well, yeah, you are, but not for the better, for the much, much worse, So, uh, you know, I don't know who writes this stuff for him. There's no indication of any speechwriters around Biden, right? It's all, (laughs) they're all very, very quiet because he makes such a hash of everything. But when he's talking about, don't complain about the spending we've done, we're changing people's lives. What he really means by that is we are changing the country. That's what he really means by that. I mean, everybody's lives are worse off. You know, the, the famous Reagan line uh, in 1980 when he was campaigning against Jimmy, my name is Earl Carter. Um, he used the line, are you better off today than you were four years ago? And because the answer was so obvious, Reagan won in a landslide and then another landslide four years later. So what Biden doesn't want to tell you is they are changing the very nature of the country. And his euphemism is, we're changing people's lives, don't you know? Well, yeah, we do know, and it's not good. But what he really means by this is we are changing the country. And that's been their objective all along. The economic news is not good. We got another big inflation number uh, this week, the producer price index over 10%. And when you really break it down, if they were using the same inflation gauge that they used in the 1970s, which they changed in 1980 and again in 1990 because they wanted to cover up uh, the government spending because inflation is the expansion of the money supply. They have somewhat changed the definition to, to um, say that inflation is rising prices, but they're, they're both... Synonymous, right? I mean, they're both basically the same thing. You expand the money supply, of course, you're going to get higher prices. But they wanted the definition of inflation to focus on uh, rising prices rather than expanding the money supply because for decades now, they've been doing exactly that, hurting America, hurting all of us, but they wanted to cover it up. So they changed the definition to higher prices. Just like they changed the definition of vaccine to accommodate this mRNA stuff. Okay? The government will always do this sleight of hand. They'll always play games, always. So, this is what they've done they changed the metrics twice to cover up what they're doing and to accommodate massive new federal spending. We're the ones paying the price for it, and we always have, but they don't care. So they changed the definition, but if we went back now and use that same metric, inflation today would be running at 17 or 18%, maybe higher. And you know, when you go to the store, you're not paying just 8% higher for your bacon. You're paying like 30% higher for your bacon. So they're, they're all covering this up to get away with bloody murder at the expense of us in our daily lives with the things we need, but also at the expense of the country. And again, I tell you, this is the deliberate takedown of the United States, and they've got to cripple and remake the economy in order to do that, and that's what all of this is about. All right. Let's hit another quick break, but before we do, I want to take a moment to welcome a great new sponsor, Field of Greens. You guys, I know I should eat healthier, but I tend to grab whatever's fast and available, and I know a lot of you guys do too, don't lie. Most of the time, it's not the best stuff for me. It's like candy, other sugar, you know, that that's my go-to. I don't know what yours is, but most of the time, we're not reaching for the asparagus. Am I right? not great. The experts always say we should eat up to six cups of fruits and vegetables a day. That is not happening, which is why I take Field of Greens every single day. Field of Greens is packed with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics, the things that I need to stay healthy. Plus, it tastes great. I actually look forward to taking my glass of Field of Greens every single day, and it's making me feel better with a lot more energy that lasts throughout the day. So you should join me and take Field of Greens too. And to help you get started, I got you 15% off your first order. You see you guys, I got you. Plus, I got you another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. So visit them, fieldofgreens.com, and use the promo code MONICA. That's fieldofgreens.com promo code MONICA to get healthier right now. Go to fieldofgreens.com promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. Okay, as we wrap up the show today, time to hit the email bag. Mike on Long Island writes, Monica, in your podcast, you said if Joe Biden is either forced to resign or impeached and Kamala Harris becomes president, the Democrats would prefer it to happen before the 2022 election because the Senate can approve either Hillary or Michelle or some crazy Democrat to be vice president. I don't think it's possible even before 2022 red wave election, because when Kamala Harris becomes POTUS, then there will be no VP to break the 50-50 ties. The VP position will remain empty. Well, you cannot have no vice president, Mike. Um, You can't let a constitutionally mandated position go vacant. So before the midterms, the Senate could approve a replacement if they decide to go down this road. And after November's elections, the Senate is no longer going to be 50-50. I think that the Republicans are going to have a majority and control of that chamber. But look, it's, it's looking increasingly unlikely that they're going to move against Biden before November. Way too risky. But after the election, they might, because remember, the Senate needs to approve of a replacement if they decide to go ahead and do this. Uh, And if Democrats no longer have control over the Senate and it's the Republicans, how are they going to get a radical choice through? They're not. They may not get any choice through, but they're going to have to do something because you cannot allow that position to remain empty. So, Mike continues, please keep up your good work. I listen to many podcasts and follow about 10 to 15 podcasters. Your podcast is in my top four, Dan Bongino, Mark Levin, and Bill O'Reilly, etc. Well, thank you. I'm in very good company there. I like your podcast. It's Not Too Long, To The Point, New Ideas, and Insider Insight. Thank you for your good work. Well, I really appreciate the nice words, the support, and your fantastic email, Mike. Let's see if I'm right about what the Democrats are are going to do post-midterm elections. I really don't think, and we talked about this on Monday, I really don't think that they are going to uh, stick with Biden much beyond the midterm elections. You're going to see some movement to get him out. I, I, I just can't see him going on for another two years. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not going to try this. Maybe it's just going to be inertia in the Democratic Party. Who knows? But they can't really afford to lose 2024. They can't afford to lose to Trump, for sure. But if Trump doesn't do this and it's DeSantis or something, they they can't. They've come too far. So I can see them doing something extreme. We shall see. Thank you, Mike. So keep those emails coming, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Okay, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for being here. And I will see you right back here on Friday. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.